In a second talk tonight on uh, our series, Famous Verses, looking at some of the, the popular, uh, well-known, misquoted verses from the Bible. Uh, and last week, if you, those of you that are here, you can, uh, how many can remember the verse from last week? Where was it from? Joshua, chapter 1, verse 9. Okay, and I'm not going to test you if you can remember the whole thing, but it was this. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be terrified, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I hope that verse has been a real encouragement to you uh, this week and a help throughout the week. And if you did miss last week's talk, just a quick reminder, if you want to, well, even if you didn't miss it, you want to listen to it again, all our talks uh, do go up on our website, so do uh, listen again if you, or listen for the first time if that is helpful. So when we looked at that verse last week, you'll remember one of the things we, we talked about was the fact that living a life trusting God moment by moment is not always easy. We can easily get distracted or either forget about God or maybe even perhaps deliberately ignore God's ways when it suits us. We try and take the easy way out. That's why God commanded Joshua to be bold and courageous three times in those verses that we looked at. Being strong and courageous, trusting in him in all those different moments of life is hard. But we also then looked at that God is with us wherever we go. And that incredible promise that he is with us by his Holy Spirit in each of those moments and in any place we find ourselves. This week, the second verse that we're going to look at kind of builds on that idea. And I hope it's going to give us even more encouragement to know what to do when we are in times or in circumstances where we need to be bold and courageous or something is playing on our mind that we're anxious about. Because the famous verse, which is about to go on the screen behind me this week, is Philippians 4, chapter 6, another very popular and widely shared verse. And it says this, Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. We'll be encouraged because there's some extra ammunition here in these verses to help us get through those tough times when it is difficult to trust God. But let's, uh, let me pray properly for, uh, for us as we go into this verse. Now, so, uh, Lord, as we do look at these verses tonight, and in, particularly, in particular this verse, I ask that they would not just be hollow words to us, that you would plant the truth of these words deep into our hearts and minds, that we would always be a people that would seek you, that would turn to you in all the different circumstances and things we're anxious about and trust you to answer us. Amen. So like with all these verses, we're going to look at a bit why they're popular and also what we think it means. Uh, in the context of other verses around it, unpacking the relevance to us along the way. So as I've already said, you can see why this is a popular verse. It's another one of these verses that brings uh, potentially comforting words to people in situations where they don't know what to do. Hands up here who's any, ever, anyone here who's ever been anxious about something in their life. Okay, brilliant. You are all listening. That's good. 
So it's a verse that encourages us with what we are anxious about. I don't think it's saying we're not to be anxious, but it says if we are about, anxious about something, I think what it's saying is we need, to, we need to pray about it. It's encouraging us when we're anxious about those things that are on our mind. What should we do? Pray about them. Before we get into looking at this verse, I want, I want to be quite honest with you because we actually need to be uh, really careful about this verse. Because having just said that, if you send this to someone uh, who, is, uh, who is anxious and you share this verse with them, I think it has the potential to be rather irritating to them, doesn't it? Well, just think about if you're anxious about something and you're pouring out your anxiety to somebody and they simply say, it's silly to be anxious about that. It's not going to win you Empathetic Christian of the Year Award. I quickly learned that with my wife. If she was anxious or nervous about something, telling me, oh, you don't need to be anxious about that. Can be quite, people can read it as quite dismissive and not, you know, almost like you don't understand. So simply saying if someone's anxious about something, don't be anxious about it, just pray about it, can be quite a glib and short answer. If you remember that story I shared last week of me going uh, to, uh, when I was at a selection conference, whether I was going to become a minister or not, and the anxiety I had going into that last interview after the previous person had run out of the building in tears. If somebody had just come up to me before that and said, don't worry, Richard, don't be anxious about knocking on that door. Just say a thankful prayer to God. At the very least, they would have got a disbelieving stare and probably something a little bit more. You know, it's more likely to earn you a, a, a thump than, a, oh, thank you for that. So, that's we need to be careful about that. But we also we do know as Christians, don't we, about the amazing power of prayer. The Bible talks of the great power of prayer, the ability that it has to change things. You know, God says mountains can move through prayers. So on the one hand, we need to be careful we don't uh, just belittle people when they're feeling anxious. But on the other side, verses like that, I think, really do encourage us and speak something of the power of prayer that we have, this amazing gift that we have to be able to talk to God, because that's what prayer is. So it can be a, a verse that can wind people up, but it's also a verse that if we look at it and as we understand it more, it can tell us something about an amazing gift that God has given us. So I'm going to begin, like I did last week, by setting a little bit of context for this verse, where it is in the Bible and questions like that. So it's bought from the book of Philippians, as you can see, which is a New Testament book, uh, written well after, well, not well after, but maybe 40 to 60 years uh, after Jesus uh, came. And it was written in full knowledge of what Jesus had done and fulfilled on the cross. And they're written by the Apostle uh, Paul. The Apostle Paul was one of the uh, early disciples or apostles whose life had been totally transformed uh, by meeting Jesus. You have that phrase, it's becoming less popular, our Damascus Road experience. That's about Paul, what happened to Paul on the road to Damascus when he met Jesus. His life was totally uh, turned around. And, uh, and Paul was in prison when he wrote this letter because of his faith in Jesus. He, he was... It, Literally, a verse in there talks about him being in chains. He was more likely in chains when he wrote the whole book, including these verses here. So they're not written by somebody who has never known suffering or anything to be anxious about. 
You know, Paul was somebody who'd also in his past been nearly stoned to death. He'd been beaten. He'd been thrown out of numerous cities, all because of his faith in Jesus. If anyone had a reason to have anxious thoughts fill his mind, it was Paul. But yet he writes uh, this while he's in prison in chains. And this letter is actually remarkably kind and indeed filled with great advice to other Christians on how to live their lives filled with thankfulness to God and how to go through times that require strength and courage. He knows what he's talking about. That's one of the reasons, I think, why it is included in our Bible, why God left it for us uh, to read, to help guide us as well. But that's enough background. Uh, Let's start to have a look at the verses uh, that actually we heard read to us tonight. I'm going to start off by looking at verse 4, which says this. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Paul begins this little section by reminding the Philippians of the importance of thanking God for all he has done and for finding joy in it. In English, the word rejoice used to mean to literally find the joy again that you once had, to rejoice, to refind that joy. It's about remembering the joy of the past that you had and celebrating it. And it's kind of that idea a little bit in, in the Greek as well, which is what Paul wrote this in. Uh, and one of the things uh, that happens, well, it happens to me anyway, is when we're, we're feeling down or anxious about something, it can be really difficult to take our mind off it, can't it? And if we're not careful, whatever we're anxious about can become bigger and bigger and bigger until it almost consumes you and you can't see or focus on anything else. Everything else is like almost blocked from your vision, your vision or entering into your mind. And everything else seems so insignificant compared to your problem, those thoughts that are in your mind. Well, Paul's, the first part of Paul's solution to this is to try and take your mind off it and think back to the joy that you have in God, to take your eyes off the present and find joy by looking and remembering at what Jesus, our Lord, has done for us. Rejoice in the Lord, because that's what he means by Lord, he means Jesus. Looking at things from that eternal, godly perspective, lifting our eyes from those present troubles that we're facing, and looking and remembering the promises of God and what he's fulfilled and done for us on the cross, and remembering that, those promises that we are forgiven, that he loves us, that we can have an eternal life that there will be a day where there is an end to all these troubles that we are facing when he comes again, that we can be with him forever. Incredible promises, incredible things that Jesus has done for us on the cross. And as we lift our eyes, I think, off uh, from our, our problems and lift them to the eternal perspective, it actually begins to shrink our problems back down so we can become less anxious about them and see them perhaps in the better or more appropriate size in God's eyes. I think that's a pretty good place to start. But what does that look like practically in life? Well, I think it can be, we can do that with big things, but what does it look like practically in different situations? I want to share a story of a, of a guy. This is just one example, a guy called Nick Vujicic. There's going to be a picture coming up now of him. That's him there. Nick Vujicic is an Australian uh, Christian evangelist. He's a motivational speaker as well. 
you probably noticed there's something different about him. He's one of seven people in, in the world. He was born with a rare condition that meant he was born without any arms or any legs. He's only one of seven people in the world that, that survived that. Um, yeah, if you've never heard him speak, he's, there's lots of videos of him up on the internet. But I'm going to read to you now something um, that happened to him when he was 15 years old because he made a decision that changed his life around and sent him on a different tra tra trajectory to where uh, he was going because he, he thought his life would be empty. He thought no one could love him or would ever love him. He thought he wouldn't have a future with no arms and no legs. Uh, listen to what he's written. He said, when I was 15, I gave my life to Jesus. I knew I had to make my life right with him, but I blamed him for my pain. Yet I read in the Bible how Jesus said the blind man was born that way so the works of God could be revealed to him. I said to God that if he had a plan for that man, I could certainly believe that he had planned for me. So I surrendered the needing to know the plan idea and just trusted him one day at a time. I realized God wasn't, wasn't the one who gave me this pain, but what was intended for bad, or I was seeing as bad, God could use for good. Nick looked up from his situation. He looked to the promises of God and trusted him. He looked up from his suffering and from the way he saw his life and his future, and he trusted God, that God did want to use him. Now, for Nick, God didn't heal him. Nick has still got no arms and no legs, but instead of being anxious about his life prospects and what was ahead of him, he trusted God day by day, and God has used that trust. It wasn't an easy journey for him, but God has used him, and he wants to use all of us with the gifts and the skills that he has given us. He doesn't want us to worry about the things we don't have or are outside our control, but he just wants us to see things from his way, trust him, and for us, for God to us to allow God to use the good in us. In all those things, whether they're big or small, we need to look up, trust God, and see things from his perspective. Be thankful for what we have and what God has done for us remember that ultimate victory on the cross wasn't just a promise for the future but it involves trusting it and living it out day by day and living it out now okay so that's verse 4 we're just going to spend a few moments uh, looking at verse 5 here because Paul gives further to, to practical pieces of advice in verse 5 the first is this let your gentleness be evident to all. So I'm sure you've noted, noticed this, this little trait in other people. I'm not saying any of you ever do this yourselves. I certainly don't. But if you are anxious about something, you can, other people can be rather short-tempered, can't they? Um, and a little self-absorbed. Sometimes my children can be rather rude if they've had a bad day at school or they've got something on their mind and they come home. Um, and they can take it out on you, and that just puts you in a bad mood. Now, I know we're not like that at all if we're anxious, okay? But with my children, when they do it, actually, if we do end up talking about it and they share their anxiety and it's something that we can alleviate or take away, 
they then suddenly their attitude towards us has changed. They become nice children again. Paul is writing this little command here uh, to remind people that as we rejoice in the Lord, we need to, that involves not just thinking it in our minds, but actually making sure our actions are transformed as well. Let it be shown in the way we treat others that we're not anxious about it. I think I put on your, your handout, and I wrote it down here because I was quite proud of this phrase. Don't be fractious when you're anxious. <laughs> yeah, good one to remember. It only makes things worse because it just drags everyone down to, um, to your level. And instead of you being anxious about it, everybody's anxious about something, although other people might not know whatever they're anxious about because you haven't shared it. So let your gentleness be evident to all after you rejoice. And the second thing that sort of backs up and helps with that is in this verse as well. So don't be, let your gentleness be evident to all, because the Lord is near. Paul says the Lord is near. That reminder that God is with us in this, whatever it is that's on our mind. We're not going through whatever we're going through alone, even if it feels like it. The truth is, you aren't going through whatever you're going through alone. The Lord is there with you. You know, remember when you, we talked about this last week as well, when you give your life to Jesus, you get the Holy Spirit as a seal coming uh, and living in you. God is there with you. And even if you don't sense it or know God with you, you are not alone. Sometimes we don't know it at the time, uh, but looking back, it's obvious. It's certainly been my experience. I'm just going to share with you uh, a couple of um, things that happened to me, am I? No, I'm not. Um, that's later on in the talk. Sorry. Um, sorry. Have you ever seen the, the, the heard of the poem Footsteps? If you haven't, go and look it up. I'm not going to read it to you now, but it, it's a wonderful poem that talks about that time when somebody questions God, why weren't you there with me at the time? Because there's only one set of footprints in the stand, but in the good times I knew you were there and there were two footprints. Uh, and the, basically the answer to the poem is, it's those times I was carrying you. The Lord, actually God it is with us in those times, even if we don't see he is. And there's certainly times in my life where that has been true. Okay, let's move on to our famous verse now, which is still up there, brilliant, 4-6. Uh, so I've summarized this on your handout, point two. I think this simply means pray from the heart, this whole, this whole verse. It's saying, pray from the heart. Pray what is on your heart. God's interested in the things that you want to pray about. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, present your request to God. I don't think that everything is literal there. God is not saying you have to pray about absolutely everything you're going to do, like brushing your teeth, for example. You don't have to say, Lord, I'm about to go and brush my teeth in a moment. Please may I brush them really well so tomorrow they will shine brightly for you. Amen. That is not what he is saying. But what he is saying is we need to pray about what is on your heart and troubling you, or whatever it is. God is not going to think it's stupid, and he's not going to not listen to you about whatever is, is, is on your heart. If you are anxious about brushing your teeth, you can actually pray about that, so don't feel like you can't. God is not going to switch off halfway through your prayer like some other people do if you start talking about something they're not interested in. Stephen's just gone. I was going to take the mick out of him here. Uh, Stephen loves chess. 
Um, and sometimes he does go on about it a little bit. And I have to confess that if he goes on too long, I kind of switch off a, a little bit. Uh, I'm joking, by the way. He doesn't go on that much about chess. He does love chess, but he doesn't go on about it that much. But, you know, you, you, we can do that. But God doesn't do that for us. He listens, and he wants us to pray about what is um, on our heart. Okay? So pray what's on your heart, because God is interested. That's what that is saying. We can pray about everything. And the second thing I think it's saying, that he's coming back now, finished. Just all turn and look at him. We've just been talking about you. <laughs> so the second thing it's saying is pray what's in your heart. Um, so what's on your heart, but also I think it's saying what's, pray what's in your heart. Don't be afraid to let your anguish or how you're really feeling about something out, your pain in prayer. In everything, by prayer and petition, present your request to God. I want to be really clear. You are allowed to ask for things from God with passion and with clarity. That's what, why Paul just didn't write prayer. He wrote prayer and petition here, or supplication, as uh, some uh, translations translate it. And, and the way Paul wrote that in the Greek as well, he really emphasizes it, that it makes it clear you are allowed to ask for things clearly from God. You're allowed to ask for things about what is in your heart. Let me just read you a few verses. I go back to the, the Psalms, by the way, are great examples of the sort of way in which almost you are allowed to pray for God because there's everything in the Psalms. If you've never read through the Psalms, you should read through them because they're heartfelt cries from, uh, from different people, a lot of them from David, but not all of them, from all kinds of different situations, from people filled with joy to people crying out of the depths. You know, let me read you Psalm 86, some some words. This is King David uh, talking to God in in one of the Psalms. He says, Arrogant foes are attacking me, O God. Ruthless people are trying to kill me. They have no regard for you. Turn to me, Lord. Have mercy on me. Show your strength on behalf of your servant. Save me because I save you. Give me a sign of your goodness that my enemies may see it and be put to shame. For you, Lord, have helped me and comforted me. Can you hear the passion in David's voice as he's doing that? He's really praying and calling to God from what is in his heart and the emotions he had there. David is not concerned about writing and being weak or or, or gentle or being maybe politically correct in his psalms. You know, another psalm, he, he, he writes, out of the depths I cry to you, O God. We are allowed to make our feelings known and how we're feeling uh, towards God. We make them known in our prayers. And he's asking in that psalm I just read, David is asking God to give him a sign that those that are against him and against God may be put to, put to shame. There's heart and clarity. I think too often we don't see answers to our prayer because our prayers are too often, Lord, if it's not too much trouble and if you have the time, and um, I'm not 100% sure I want this, but if it is you know, with you and you're listening right now, please could you let your feelings be known to God. Be bold and courageous with your prayers. Don't, don't be afraid to ask from God. Remembering that God does listen and he can do miracles as well. But as we do it, let's also remember that God, although he always listens, he does, and he always answers our prayer, quite often he doesn't answer them in the way uh, we expect. He will at times 
but often he won't. But that shouldn't stop us pouring out our heart towards God, because quite often the answers he gives are better than the things that we ask for. And the third thing we need to do as we pour out our, what's in our heart and what's on it is we actually need to remember, again, that we need to do it with thanksgiving. We still, as we do this, we need to remember who God is and what he's done for us. Remembering the kind of character of who God is throughout. So we're to pray uh, and we can, we can pray to God and have petitions to God, but do it also with thanksgiving remembering who we are praying to in the midst of that. In Psalm 55 that I was reading out, one of the verses I missed out was actually a verse that was rammed in the middle of that plea from David that says this halfway through it, but you, Lord, are compassionate and gracious. You're slow to anger and abounding in love and faithfulness. Even when David is pouring out his heart and his anguish, He's still remembering and being thankful for the type of character that God is throughout. David doesn't lose sight of that in his turmoil, but he constantly reminds himself of it. And that does link as well, doesn't it, with the opening verse we looked at, verse 4, about rejoicing in the Lord, always rejoicing. David is able to rejoice in the Lord, even though he is in a time of great anguish, where people are trying to attack and kill him and get rid of him as king. And did you know, in the Psalms I've talked about, there's only one Psalm in there, in the whole 150 of them, where there's no single line of praise towards God. I think that just goes to show you that actually that is a habit we need to do, even in those moments where we're really dark, is to try and still remember to be thankful and remember all of what God has given to us. One other thing as well, uh, before I get on to my final point, another way to be thankful is, as well, is some, often the thing you're anxious about is something you can actually be particularly thankful for. You know, if you're anxious about somebody else, it can often be because they're close to you. It's somebody that, that is in your life that you care about. You can thank God that you have them in your life, that you can care about them. Thank God for the good that that person has, uh, has, has brought to you or has in their life as well. Or maybe if you're anxious about something in your body not working, thank God for the parts of your body that do work, for the good things that you have experienced in your life, the gifts that he has given you. We can be thankful around the things that we're also anxious about. Okay, so that's our role in prayer. We're to Pray with a thankful perspective, but also pray from the heart. What happens when we do that? What's God's promise to us when we do that? Look at me with verse 7, because this is an incredible verse that follows up this verse here about bringing your requests to God. It simply says this, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We are promised that as we do that, God will grant us peace. The verse doesn't say might. God may do if he's in a generous mood or if he's listening to your prayer. God is always in a generous mood and is always listening to your prayers. 
pray what's on our heart and God will give you peace. And he will give us peace as we thank him for all that he has done for us and all he will do for us. What is peace? What does it look like? Well, this is my get out clause here. It does actually say in the verse, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. If the Bible says, and Paul says, it transcends all understanding, what hope do I have standing here uh, before you and explain it to you? But this is the point in my sermon where I'm going to give you two examples from my past. Well, I have really known uh, God's peace. So, going back to my time at university when I turned my back on God, I've mentioned it a few times in my talk, and I'm sorry I do mention it, but it was just such a transforming experience in my life that um, turned my life around. I share it a lot because I think about it a lot. I'm really thankful for it. I I was walking away from God. Uh, My life was in quite a mess, and I remember that moment when I turned back to him. I had this incredible a uh, sense of comfort and stillness in my mind and in my heart. It was, a, it was a, feel, a, a, a feeling that I could actually sense. My issues and problems that I was facing did not disappear, but I was able to face them with a great sense of peace. It was almost like um, through that time that my, my soul and my mind or my body were in like slow motion when everything else about, around me w- w- was going crazy, going, carried on madly around me. And I, I managed to get through that time not being concerned or anxious about all the things that were once weighing so heavily on my heart and my mind. I, to, I later read about John Wesley, one of the, the great theologians of, of the past, and he talks about having, uh, he talks about his experience and he uses the word his heart was strangely warmed. I love that expression, strangely warmed. I think that's a pretty good description. But it's absolutely amazing. Uh, often that peace that God gives you is a physical uh, sense, a peace that you can physically feel and know in your heart and, and mind. But another example actually was a time when, um, like in that interview perhaps, uh, when everything within me screamed, run, run. I didn't feel very peaceful at all in that time or at that moment. If you'd have asked me, do you sense God's peace with you before I was knock- as I was knocking on that door, I'd have probably said no. At the time, I-, I-, I didn't. Sometimes we don't sense God's peace with us, even though we do pray and we have prayed from the heart. But actually, looking back on that moment now, I can see God's peace was with me and God was with me in that time letting me actually giving me the strength to knock on that door to speak and act despite the despite me being in turmoil on the inside God's peace was at work in helping me speak out and say those words even though I didn't feel it at the time but looking back just like in the footsteps I know God was actually at work in that time in the future. And that is what we need to hold on to. Sometimes we will know God's peace and be able to feel it with us, but we won't always. But actually, if we look at things from God's eternal perspective, we trust his promises to us, there will be a time when we can look back and be able to know God was with us in that time, because he is with us. If 
we have called on his name and he never leaves us and abandons us. So I need to finish now and in a couple of moments Sarah's going to come up and tell you how we're going to respond to this, these promises tonight um, or this request of in these verses of us to not be anxious but to what we're anxious about to, to bring it to God in prayer and petition with thanksgiving. But I really hope that as we've looked at this verse it encourages you to pray honestly to God and with vulnerability to God. Don't hide things from God because he knows what's on your heart anyway. But bring them to God because God wants you to, to trust him with those things and as you do that I really pray that you will know and you will sense God's peace with you and you'll be able to trust him with all those things that are on your heart because seeing things his way and putting them in, your, in his hands is the best way to live a life that is anxious free.